0: Well, we will move on, indeed we will, Uh, because this day next week, uh, Sir David Attenborough's uh, much-anticipated Seven Worlds, One Planet series will begin on BBC One. Demand for tickets to a preview from the series this coming uh, Wednesday went through the roof. One paper saying the tickets were hotter than those were for Oasis in their prime. So we're going to... Have a look, because there's a certain amount of criticism going on uh, about Sir David Attenborough as well. Uh, I mean, the notion that he could get anything wrong sounds like a crime against, you know, decency, but people are critical of some aspects. So I'm joined by Colin Stafford-Johnson, a wildlife cinematographer who has worked with the great man himself. Good afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon. You worked with him as a cameraman, and I, I think you want to make the point that people sometimes think he's... He shoots the, shoots the pictures he doesn't uh, well not
1: necessarily i mean i think in the past he had a much bigger role in actually producing the programs himself now he's more of a narrator role but he keeps you know he keeps a close eye he wouldn't uh, he, he'd make sure he's saying what he wants to say I yes guess. um but he so but in in the past i mean he was inc- really responsible for the growth of natural history television and he was there from the very beginning and i think that's what gives him such um such an such an authority i guess yeah um i remember seeing the first program i think 1979 his first really big program was a series called life on earth and that was this extraordinary story about the evolution of life on earth which certainly for me it changed the way i viewed the world i thought that was a very powerful film yeah and i think what you say about some criticism in recent years perhaps is coming from the fact that now maybe there's just sort of a glorification of wildlife which I so, sometimes too would, would, would question. I think there's almost a Disneyfication of it. Um, and when you, I think there's a sense that at the end of some of those programmes, you end up thinking that the world is in an, an awful lot better state than it actually is in. Um, you know, cameras are always selective and how you use them is selective. Yeah. Um, and I think it's not good enough possibly sometimes at the end of six hours of extraordinary television that you have a little message at the end saying, well, things aren't so good. I think the images are so powerful that they leave you with a sense of this extraordinary planet. Yeah, on that the last true.
0: series, the one he did on plastics, I think that stopped the world in its tracks.
1: I don't think it did. Did At all. Not? No, no, I don't. Uh, I've heard of this Attenborough effect. Well, I just came back. I was just in England, uh, well, in Scotland um, a couple of weeks ago. I saw zero evidence of the Attenborough effect in Scotland. I see no reduction. There's this sort of very superficial thing about using paper straws or something, you know. I think we have to be much more fundamental if we want to do something about plastics. I think people are ready themselves to do something. Uh, And then I think you have to legislate for for them properly. You can't leave everything just up to individual people. We're all busy in our everyday lives. I think if I I was to go to my local supermarket tomorrow and they said, sorry, lads, we banned plastics completely, I think everyone would be be delighted it yeah. i think we're ready but
0: for it isn't but not that part of where i mean i'm defending the man because i've absolutely loved his programs but i but i do get the point that it makes it look like everything in the garden is rosy when it's not
1: well uh, and, and it really isn't and you know i've been filming around the world for a about 25 including years. Including for him. I, uh, yeah, yeah, we did programs together. Years ago, there was a Wildlife and One series. It was a very much an animal behaviour series where they're following individual animals. So they were very sort of discrete stories um, about the uh, about particular animals. So we weren't dealing with a bigger picture. But I think when you deal with a bigger picture at sort of a continental level, uh, I remember like years ago seeing a six hours on Africa that the BBC made. And there wasn't a single human being shown in six hours of television. Well, it just, uh, you know, I've been to Africa many times africa ain't like that and it really does gives you an impression i mean the the sequences themselves are extraordinary the photography is beautiful uh, and what they're showing is actually real in its isolation but i think to do that i i think these days we have responsibility maybe to show the bigger
0: picture as well and the conflicts um like if you take right across africa now they have these game parks. And, you know, they try and get the local people on site not to hunt, not to shoot, because elephants can do an awful lot of damage and all that kind of thing. And that they can make a living uh, out of these game parks without shooting the animals. Now, on the other hand, that's kind of available only to very wealthy people. Well, the world is available to
1: wealthy people. That's just the way it is. Uh, But I think these game parks and nature reserves generally are a bit of an admission of failure. I think it's too easy to compartmentalise nature into just particular places and go, we've done our job. In Ireland, we have nature reserves. We shouldn't have any, our entire country. Every animal, for instance, that lives in Ireland should be able to live throughout Ireland with a decent land strategy. You know, This idea of having these places- How do you mean? You can't
0: have. You know, Michael Murphy's cattle wandering all over everybody else.
1: <laughs> I'm not talking about domesticated animals, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the wild all creatures. Right, the yeah. wild, you know, but we have nature reserves right now, national parks. We should treat the entire country like a national park. That's, that's the long-term future. This idea, all I'm saying is it's too easy. Nature reserves are too simple. The idea you draw a circle around something and that's where you go to see nature. Then we have to change the way that we view that and then nature should be able to live amongst us and around us and it can. With just a little bit of, uh, with a little bit of logic applied, you know, it
0: doesn't well, stop the if, economy. If you, know. if you take, say, big cats, like you wouldn't wa- want them wandering around. Well, okay, I'm going say, to a place next week.
1: Where, I'm, I'm going to a place next week where the bill big cats will be wandering around. I spent a lot of a lot of my life in India filming tigers. Yeah. And so I've been following a tiger family for the last 20 years and they try and go and see them every year. And um, so I'm go, going back I'm there. I'm
0: so sorry for you.
1: I'm going, yeah, going back there in a couple of weeks. I bring little groups of people to see them these days. There's another, you know, self employed and trying to find any way to make a living and TV is so fickle. But um, that's an area which now we're beginning to have tiger human conflicts. I mean, I was there with my daughter a couple of years ago. We walked right through the hearts of tiger territories and I felt pretty safe. And uh, she said to me, Dad, is this completely safe? And I said, well, it's not completely safe, but it's pretty safe. But now, today, it actually isn't. The population of tigers has risen. But the people in India, see, have an extraordinary way of looking at these animals. And uh, there's one tiger recently that I knew has killed three people. And in most countries, once it's killed one, that would just be removed and yeah. taken away but said no no that's not a man He said well then take two no that's still not the man he said well when it got to three we kind of thought well maybe it is time to remove this animal but um you know, there they see the, the the tigers are the protectors of the forest. And if you don't have tigers, the forest will disappear. The political will will, you know, will just, the eye will be removed from those from those forests if the tigers disappear. Mm-hmm. And people realise they are the things that are looking after the watersheds, that they need their forests. And what's frightening in India now is on the train journey there last year. And uh, I went through a part of Rajasthan which was intensively agricultural. And I suddenly got to an area. I thought, is the train track changed or something? And there was all this sort of forest and scrub coming up. And I asked the chap in front, I said, is this the, the tractor jiper? He said, yeah. And I said, what's happened to all the scrub? He said, "Oh, all, all the water's gone. So they can't have agriculture here anymore. So the population of India has risen by 350 million people since I made my first tiger film. And alive. you're getting less agricultural land. That's the big problem. So if you were to make a film about tigers now and just the Indian wildlife without showing some of India, I think you could be creating a bit of a false picture. And I, I mean, I love Adborough. Adborough uh, is extraordinary to get back to the point. Yes, he has been he, he has driven the entire industry. Um, and I think the reason he, keep, he keeps working is to keep people like me and many of my colleagues in work because he knows when he attaches his presence to something that the that the money will come in, the projects
0: will get made. Right. I presume he just does a voiceover now. He just goes into a booth and does the voiceover on the on a, on a soundtrack.
1: I, I think it's about. I have a, a, a friend who just made a lovely film about the egg, about you know yeah. birds' eggs, and he was you no, know, he was in the field for that. I mean, you know, not for particularly long periods of time or, yeah but, you know he was in the field too he's still I don't know what the age David like 94 or something but it, I know he's very busy I'm trying to get him to do something and <laughs> it's trying to get him over the next year or two he's pretty booked up <laughs> I hope I'm booked up when I'm, when well, I'm 94. Well, I suppose we
0: all do. How? How? What do you know about the seven worlds? Um, well uh, you've just given me the title so
1: one one tiny little criticism of it I sort of think I, I although I know nothing about it oh, sorry. I, I, I sort of can imagine what it is going to be like right. it'll be going through the seven continents and it will be um, you know it will be beautiful sequences shot I'm sure in every continent I think the first one is Antarctica um, and I'm sure it's going to be beautiful and the but, camera techniques well, but won't there be serious points made? I don't know I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I hope in this series that they will. You know, I think you don't stick them at the end.
0: You integrate them into your story. And I think people can handle these You don't these want stories. to preach, I suppose, either. No. But you don't like people regarding this as light entertainment. You would prefer that it was kind of uh, in a different genre. Well. I, I don't know I mean this has its
1: role pure entertainment is, <laughs> is fine too and there is, the, is, there is the argument that then you get people to look at the world and appreciate it but uh, you see I think you're preaching to the converted mostly um, all these people who are watching are going to watch this in Ireland and England they're already converted we already love tigers and elephants and beautiful ra- rainforests so I, I don't think it has a huge effect Well i we say. mightn't
0: have known as well Justine do you watch these programmes yes and I do disagree I think
1: there are other genres that deal with the herb realities. And I think Attenborough is a very specific sort of almost art. And I think it can never be a bad thing to remind people of the beauty of the planet that we live on. And as as the world becomes more and more urbanised, fewer people actually have the advantage of being able to see it firsthand. So rely on somebody like Attenborough.
0: I suppose given the
1: scale of the climate change crisis, it can't be anything but political now, you know. And there may be a bit of reading backwards that people go back to Attenborough 40 years ago and go, why didn't he say more? Why was it tagged on at the end? Is it going to be a spine in this new series? Probably. And I suppose Attenborough himself has become very much a public activist. We remember his thunderous speech, Yeah. though I also remember the, the very lukewarm response he got. From the audience, going back to the point you're making about whether people are actually prepared to follow through on and, those kind of warnings, and there's the, the the point. I mean, in today's paper, one of the things stories I noticed this morning was about. Uh, uh, infrastructure and Eamon mm-hmm. Ryan was saying that uh, he thought uh, and jet travel, by the way, and mm-hmm. he was saying that uh, access to Ireland should have a greater sail and rail basis. Now, are people going to come for stag parties in <laughs> Temple Bar by sail and rail uh, for twelve hours or whatever? <coughs> I, I don't think so. At the same time, Eamon Ryan is sort of talking mm-hmm. about rewilding the population by reintroducing wolves. Well, maybe, uh, but uh, do we want wolves? Um, uh, you know, especially if we're going to be in carpooling territory. Do we want to uh, to send our children to school with wolves around? Nothing the world? dangerous but, about wolves, but, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> behaviour wolves don't, <laughs> don't, be- don't yeah. attack yeah. people. But yeah. well, I think the criticism is slightly harsh. Like when I look at extinction rebellion yeah. and I see mm-hmm. people really engaging with the green issues now. I think it has yeah. had some impact. And yeah. from the world of finance, which I'm from, you know, a real major development now is these green bonds and green yeah. investments. Mm-hmm. And people are beginning to get, I think much more clever about trying to get. Uh, the pension funds and the people who are investing making yeah. the decisions about how mm. we kind of run our lives that they are going to sort of have this sort of green finance architecture and mm. um, so it, things are changing i think it has had some positive impact and but, I I, I, but i do think people's behavior is slowly changing as well and it's maybe most pronounced amongst young people you know even my own university is going plastic free for example and um, you go to the butchers and you bring your own tupperware and i know these are very small elements and, but and they kind of indicate a consciousness. Card- they do, and, and they indicate a willingness and That's awareness. That is true. You know, so the they Tupperware so is things,
0: plastic. Things, <laughs> I know, it's but it's, it's, at least it's <laughs> reusable. <laughs> you know, it's reusable. <laughs> but, but I have more plastic than you have. Then we'll get into that kind of stage now. Um, listen, before... I, uh, first of all, thank you all very, very much indeed for participating in the programme.